Watson, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Go Eagles! Go Eagles! I'm not talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, no. We're not Eagles fans here on the Wisco Sports Show, but your UW Lacrosse Eagles have had just about as good of a 24 hours as you can have. Two things last night. Crazy good wins for both the women's team and the men's team. They both took down Stevens Point, who's always one of the best teams in the WIAC. We'll get into all of that. And then this afternoon... Just when you think that I on the Eagles and we weren't going to be hearing from Mike Schmidt and we weren't going to be talking UWL Eagle football anymore, they just forced their way back. And they hired a new offensive coordinator today, promoting from within the Caledonia product. Isaac Frickty is going to be taking over that role, which he stood in briefly last year. And we're actually going to talk to Drew Kelly, WKTY, and WIZM's Drew Kelly coming up here in about 10 minutes because he was at the press conference today. He's covered this team. He's called games for this team. And I don't know if there's a better man for the job. Coming up at 5.30, we are going to specifically be talking about the UWL women's team uh, with Colton Bartholomew of the Lacrosse Tribune. He was at the women's game last night. I was eyeing up the live stream and the, the live stats of the men's game as they were in Stevens Points. So we got a lot of UWL talk today as well. All quiet on the Packers front. All quiet on the Brewers front. We wait with bated breath. But right now, we got to give these Eagles teams some love because it has been a tremendous 24 hours. Maybe you, uh, maybe this is your moment. You've been waiting. You're a passionate Eagles fan. You want to talk UWL athletics. If that's the case, please do. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line. You got to keep yourself up to date at WKTYsports.com. We have stories about last night's basketball wins and about uh, the Isaac Frickty introductory press conference this afternoon. So if you haven't filled yourself in yet, I will do my best. But if you want the X's and O's, the nitty-gritty details... That cannot be communicated through radio. Go check them out at WKTYsports.com. We have some really good work being done by our uh, by our news team and by our team here at WKTY. One of which we'll talk to you coming up in about 10 minutes in Drew Kelly. Last night was big. I want to start with the men's game because that was the game I was keying in on. And we're going to go to the big guns in Colton Bartholomew who was at the women's game covering the women's game. So we're going to hear about both because I don't know which win and which situation and which team is more impressive right now. Uh, last night was a huge win for the boys, or I should say the men's team. Uh, they snapped a 24-game losing streak at UW-Stevens Point, which is just ridiculous. The Pointers had actually beaten UWL the last five games, so truth be told, they were on a five-game losing streak, a 24-game road losing streak. It dates back to 1998. Sheesh! And you got to think Coach Sternbach wanted that one. He is a... Well, he's from Stevens Point. I don't want to call him a Stevens Point product, but coached in the past at Stevens Point before coming to UWL. And I, I almost feel like I need to continue yesterday's conversation. We talked about the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are now 32-12 and 12 after last night's win. And the record, yeah, is impressive. But sometimes you have to look past the record to really decipher and really try to figure out which direction a team is heading. Or, or maybe what's coming up for that team. Maybe in the playoffs. Once the regular season is over, then how is this team going to fare? We know they're winning a lot of games, right? Or in the case of the Eagles, we know they've gotten off to a hot start in WIAC play, but... What do we see and, and what do we believe that, that lends us to have faith that the success will continue? And I think there's a couple things going on with this Eagles team right now uh, that I want to talk about. The, the men's team has won 10 of 11 games, dating back to the Viterbo game, which technically counted as an exhibition, but a win nonetheless. Since then, we're, we're seeing some habits, we're seeing some tendencies that 
really give me belief and faith that they can keep up this pace of play, even if they do dial it back a little bit. They're now undefeated in conference play. They won 61-57 to on the road in Stevens Point last night. The women were at home against the Pointers, 55-46. to A little bit lower scoring, an ugly defensive fight, and we'll talk to Colton about that coming up at 5.30. There's a couple things that, these, that this men's team is doing right now that I think really instills faith from their fans outside of their good record. They're sitting near the top of the WIAC right now, still undefeated in WIAC play. They haven't played anybody. Uh, I shouldn't say, haven't played everybody. They've played good programs in Eau Claire and Stevens Point and Whitewater. They have Oshkosh next week. They have River Falls yet to come, who has not gotten off to a great start, but is a pretty good team here in this league and in this conference. So I don't want to get out over my skis, but winning 10 of 11 games, dating back to non-conference play, I don't know if you can ask for a whole lot more. And last night, ending a 24-game losing streak at UW-Stevens Point, those are the things that contending teams do. Those are the things that teams who have aspirations of doing well in the WIAC tournament and making the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. Those, these are the things that those teams do. And it would be very easy for a program in this year, like UWL, to say, well, we're having a great year. We're, we're improved from last year and the year before. But look, we haven't won at Stevens Point since 1998. By no means are we expected to win this game. By no means do we need to win this game to think of ourselves as a good program. It would have been really easy to think that way. They didn't. And by the looks of by the looks of what I saw last night from the game, and of course, kind of combing over the stats and reading the recap of which you can find at wktysports.com, it was a great, great performance with a lot of runs back and forth. A lot of times on the road, and last night was an example, the home team gets off to a hot start. Last night, UW-Stevens Point went up 8-0 to start the game, and then UWL responds with an 11-2 run. It's really easy, especially with historical precedent in this instance, have not won at Quant Fieldhouse in Stevens Point since 1998. That's as long as I've been alive. I was born in 1998. So that's 20 years. Pretty easy math to do in my head as well. Going on 20 plus years. And they get the win last night. It would have been really easy for this team to say, ah, we haven't won here since the 90s. We're down 8-0. Maybe this just isn't our night. But they react. They respond. Two big R words that I think are important in contending teams. Teams react. Teams respond. That's what we were talking about with the Bucks yesterday. I think this men's team does that. They fall behind 0-8 to on the road in a place where they have, haven't won in some of these players' lifetimes. And then they respond with an 11-2 to round, back and forth, going back and forth, at no point saying, maybe tonight isn't our night. Well, we'll try again next year. The losing streak has gone on this long. It can go on a little bit longer. I, I, I just think that mentality and that attitude and reacting and responding and fighting, even when for stretches of a game it doesn't feel like things are going your way. They didn't shoot the ball very well, but they lean on their defense. Shot 48% from the field, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, which is what you like to see, but they weren't hitting their three ball shots. They were four of 12. Stevens point was worse, and that is a testament to when they aren't hitting their three-point shots and when they're not shooting very well. 48% for a team that likes to shoot in the mid-range, likes to shoot in the paint. It's not tremendous. It's not awful. It could be a lot worse, but it's not great, especially in a hostile environment where they don't win and falling behind early. To lean on your defense, to lean on your hustle in transition and your solid rebounding and that man-to-man defense that's preached by Coach Dernbach and everybody in this program, that's a statement win. It's not just a win over a great team and a great program who's there every year in the WIAC, but you got to look a little bit deeper and looking into some of these 
these factors of last night's game is really, really fascinating. And I think maybe most of all, <laughs> Coach Dernbach just wants to get this win. He's at Stevens Point product, and it's unfortunate I have so much audio from interviews with Coach Dernbach. You ask him, Coach, what did you think of last night's win? I mean, every that's time. That's really good. That's really good. That's really good. Snapping a 20-year losing streak. That's really good. That's really good. Right? Falling behind at 0-8 to eight and answering it with an 11-2 to two run. That's fun. That's fun. I hear you, Coach. And that's a feel-good win on one hand to be that team that ended the streak for Coach Dernbach, who came from Stevens Point, to finally show that he's building something in lacrosse and they're improving, and not just improving a little bit, but now making a case to be one of the contending teams in the WIAC Conference. I, it, it means a lot. And like you said, that's really good. That's really good. I have too much audio. I have way too much audio. So coming up next, it's been a big 24 hours for UWL Athletics, not only for the men's team and the women's team that we're going to talk about coming up in about 15 minutes. But first, we got to chat with Drew Kelly. He was at the press conference today. Uh, as he is, he's getting scoops. He's getting knowledge, getting information. Uh, when Isaac Frickety was hired, or not hired, but named the offensive coordinator of the UWL Eagles football team. We're going to ask what jumped out to him. He's got the mind of a newsman, so he's good at picking these things out. We'll talk to WIZM and WKTY's Drew Kelly coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Don't go anywhere. More to come here on WKTY. Got to check out the press conference today. Isaac Frickty being named the offensive coordinator, a role that he was in for a little bit last year. Well, first of all, Drew, how are you doing? I'm good. good. <laughs> you're doing good. You're having a good day. I, I didn't let's mean to... Let's not waste any time. Yeah. Let's just go right into it. Let's Enough go into the pleasantries. it. You were at the press conference today, man. I, we were talking about Matt LaFleur and, and all these press conferences we've had in the last couple of weeks. It is just a press conference. It's appearances. You're not necessarily getting X's and O's and all of that stuff, but... For a press conference, for the presentation, for who you heard speak, what kind of vibe, what things jumped out to you? It was a lot of excitement. I think Coach Schmidt is really uh, excited about this hire, as he is for basically everything in life. But uh, especially for this one, you know, you take a look at what they did offensively. He was thrown into the fire, pretty much. I mean, you had Luke Bengstead, who left after two games, or three games, I should say. He takes over against the number 10 team in the country, UW-Whitewater. They lose that first one 30-7, but taking a look at some of the offensive you know, output from the rest of the season, 29-23, 63-27. Uh, they lose at Oshkosh, uh, the number 12 team in the country, 24-13. But the last three weeks, they really got their offense in gear, 35-28, 29-14, and then 42 nothing. the last uh, week of the season. So I think what you saw throughout the rest of the season is him getting more comfortable in the play-calling aspect and also kind of just giving his identity, trying to figure out what he's good at, what he likes to call, uh, also giving some uh, tips to the players about uh, develop yeah. you know their skills. Obviously, a player in the NFL uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, so he's got a lot to uh, give there in terms of knowledge. But uh, I really thought that they started to gel as a unit and as an offense uh, late in the season, and that's a tough situation. He had no play-calling experience ever, which for me, playing on Madden, it, it looked like a piece <laughs> of cake because yeah. I'm winning Super Bowls for 10 straight years. Of but, course. But when you have like an offensive game plan and you have to – you basically have 15 seconds to get the play call into the player's helmet, and then they actually obviously have to execute. But, I mean, he did a great job, and uh, it's going to be fun to see what kind of offense he does put together because he does say that uh, it's not going to be the same as last year. 
Well, well, let's talk about that. Let's jump to that. He says there's going to be new terminology. There's going to be a lot of new everything. Now, for me, Drew, this is I'm trying to think through this. When we talk about coordinators, and we've had a lot of talk about uh, Nathaniel Hackett and Mike Pettin, I for me, who do players respond to? Like, I, I think Mike Pettin, right. his defense wasn't great because there were personnel issues, there were injury issues, there was all that. But one thing I did hear was players talking about how you heard he's one of the best D coordinators that I've had. He's a leader of men. He's all of these things. And I think before X's and O's, before execution on the field, you have to get players and get kids in this instance to buy in. Do you get that kind of vibe? Do you think that Isaac Frichty could be that guy who, who really inspires and leads men? Because before you get to any of those play calling, yeah. that, that's the first step. Yeah, you got to have the respect of the players. There's no question. Uh, and, and I think that is the, the case. Uh, you heard Coach Smith talk about it, and you can hear it. Uh, tomorrow, during some of the news segments as well, we had a cut in there that says the players had pine for this the entire season last year. You know, obviously they're players; they they don't get to make those decisions. But I mean, they were wanting Isaac Fricky to be the whole full time offensive coordinator come this season. They they were saying it to him in you know warm up meetings, in kind of receiver meetings, and, and quarterback coach meetings that they had. Uh, they were talking about it in the off season as well. Uh, whenever Coach Smith uh, asked their opinion, so they're jacked about it. And I, why wouldn't you be? I mean, this is a guy that has been in a lot of different systems. He's had a lot of different experience in terms of coaches that have taught him the game of football. And now he has a chance to bring all of that energy and all that knowledge and developing uh, wide receivers uh, at the college level. So, I mean, I, th- I think as a recruiting factor as well, this has to be a huge get for the Eagles. Well, I would think so, and, and I'm going to ask for, for you to maybe school me on this a little bit. WIZM and WKTY's Drew Kelly joining us. We're talking about Isaac Frichty and the move that UWL football made today. I I, I don't know what kind of precedent there is for this. Are, are there many Division three teams? And obviously the WIAC in terms of Division three is, is always, always you know, good. talked always about. Top it's, the, it's always top of the line. So yeah. maybe we're in a unique situation, but are there a lot of Division three football programs that can boast former NFL players at any level on their on their staff. I mean, is this something that is common, or is this something that UWL is going to be able to, to boast about a little bit? Well, I think they definitely need to boast about it, and it's something that we're lucky to a certain degree because he's from the area. Obviously, playing at Caledonia, his, his dad obviously uh, uh, continuously coaches the, the football program there at Caledonia, does a great job, and uh, so there's a unique connection to the area that just makes sense. For yeah. him, after retirement, after his playing days are over, to be kind of near where his family is, and then it's just a good opportunity uh, for a young coaching staff like Coach Schmidt has to kind of get somebody that is only 27 years old. That's what uh, kind of blew me away. He's younger than I am, you know. So I mean, and he's had all these experiences, and obviously he's got a lot of energy to give uh, this program, and this is definitely a good area for him to be in, uh, based on everything he was, you know, everything he was saying. So. Uh, it's a guy that's going to be around for quite a long time, and I think when you have continuity, that's going to be the biggest thing because they've had three offensive coordinators now in three years uh, with Coach Schmidt. And obviously, one of them went to Whitewater, one of them yeah, uh, that's left the program, and one of them obviously is now in Coach Fricky. So I think the more you get uh, consistency and the more you have continuity along the staff and along the recruiting end, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a welcome thing for Coach Schmidt and for the offense uh, in general. So you, you were talking about the personality, and, and you talked about how, how Coach Schmidt was obviously really excited, as he always is. That's just kind of his thing. We were talking about, it's an interesting parallel, Lafleur and Nathaniel Hackett. We hear that Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers' new OC, is very energetic, sometimes to a fault, and Lafleur's a little bit more even-keeled. I think diversity and different personalities on a coaching staff can be really beneficial to creating the, like, the best overall product on the field. 
watching Fricky and Schmidt side by side, I mean, you don't want a clone of your head coach as yeah. an offensive coordinator. You <laughs> a little bit too much. A little bit too much excitement there. That but, would be way too much. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's definitely a reserve guy, and and you don't see what he's like in practice, and we don't get to see what he's Obviously. like in the locker room. But just in the public eye, he he comes across as a pretty even keeled dude. Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. He's going to make some adjustments during the game. Uh, he's going to try to talk to his players on a man to man level and try to tell them you know what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right, uh, how they can get better. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be a lot of shouting matches. Uh, Probably in practice. Not. I don't think there's going to be a lot of in-your-face uh, type of you know yelling uh, that he does. I just don't see that vibe from him. But, you know, again, we, we never see what goes on behind closed doors. But I think it's a, a very uh, even-keeled and a very loving relationship that these guys have with these players. And very these respectful. coaches have for these players. You could talk about Coach Schmidt. Like, he tells them, you know, he loves them all the time. That's, oh, just, yeah. way, that's just the kind of staff that he has uh, created there uh, at UWL. So, I mean, it's no wonder they want him back. Well, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a reason why they were saying in the middle of the season last year, we want this guy to return as our offensive coordinator next year. Well, and that makes sense. And, and when we talk about Coach Schmidt being energetic and, and getting really high and being emotional and reacting, by that same token, though, he is very even keeled. Like you could ask him the day after a loss to Whitewater. I remember this last year, yeah. you know, Coach, you know, ask him about the game or whatever, and He'll talk about it in that very even-keeled manner, like, hey, we got beat doing this and this, but, you know, the sun's going to come up today. Right. You know, the, the, we got another game next week. Yeah. You know, I don't think he takes anything too seriously or doesn't appear right. to. I, I think some of that is good for the situation at UWL, because you obviously are in the WIAC with powerhouses in Oshkosh and Whitewater. If you measure success or failure by those games, I, I, I just don't know if you're going to get very far at UWL. But he's, he's building that. That's, that's what, what that's you, what that's he's going. That's yeah. what he's getting to. I, I think at this point, uh, going eight and two and seven and three in the last two years, he's getting to the point where the next step yeah. is Whitewater and Oshkosh. I mean, they were down at the bottom for years and years and years, and now all of a sudden you're beating Stevens Point, you're beating River Falls, some of these teams that for a while you couldn't beat at all, uh, and now all of a sudden you're basically the number three team in the conference in in everybody's mind, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you got. Uh, Whitewater, you got Stevens Point, who was, uh, or Oshkosh, rather, who's always going to be there. And then UW Lacrosse is kind of at that second tier. They're leading that second tier of the conference that if they can start to have a little bit more continuity in their system, figure out the type of recruits they want to recruit for that system, I think it's going to be a challenge uh, for uh, these top two teams to, to deal with UWL for a number of years. I, I, I'm fascinated, and, and we're a year away, or I, I guess less than a year away now, but we're a long ways from the start of the 2019 season. When we talk about that gap between Whitewater and Oshkosh, and then lacrosse is that third spot, just because they're third doesn't mean they're necessarily close to Whitewater or Oshkosh. Right. Do, you, do you think that gap is is still large, or do you think that that gap could be in the next year or two being closed and lacrosse could find themselves in that same conversation? You know, you had some tough games against yeah. these two teams. Uh, you had 24-13 against Oshkosh. You know, so I mean, you're right there. You were there yeah. two two years ago. You had uh, Whitewater down to the last couple of minutes. Uh, I believe. I think that was like a that was the Oktoberfest game, I believe, and it was a really tough, uh, hard fought game all the way to the end. So I mean, uh, and it depends on just your youth too. I mean, last year they were just really young. I mean, they lost a lot of seniors. They lost a lot of starters on uh, both sides of the football, and this year they're going to be pretty young as well. But I think if you start to look at the future for UWL, in two, three years, you're going to see where this program is. That's going to be the testament, because now all of a sudden, all of the players from the previous regime are gone. 
all of a sudden you're going to be with your all your new recruits, you know, uh, and they're all going to be seniors in a couple of years. And that's going to be when, if you want to make a run at Whitewater or Oshkosh, Gotta that's going to be then. the year to, to do it. Yeah, and I agree. I hope that gap does get closer because we love having those superpower teams. We also like to have a little bit of parity. You like that feeling that anybody could beat anybody. And as far as conferences in D3 go, I think the WIAC is you're as close to that as you can get parity from top to bottom. Drew, I got to ask you before I let you go, excuse me, you're calling Aquinas and Logan tonight. We've called lots of central games. You had central and on Alaska last week. You go with the other uh, lacrosse team and Logan tonight. What are you looking forward to? What are some of the, the exciting points for these two games? Uh, Logan uh, coming Two to this, teams, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Logan coming to this one uh, with a win last week against uh, GET. That was uh, a week from today, uh, 62-61 in overtime. And Aquinas coming into this one 4-1 and one in their last five games. So they definitely have kind of hit a high point in their season after struggling early on in the year. Uh, beat a couple of really good uh, teams in the conference, in Toma and also Holman. So uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for uh, Logan, I think. Obviously the home uh, team is going to have a little bit of advantage there. But uh, two teams that don't have the deepest of benches, so it's going to be interesting in terms of foul trouble to see, you know, how that plays out and if they can get some of the bigger players for Logan in foul trouble, and for Aquinas, if any of them get into foul trouble, it might be uh, tough sledding in the second half for for Aquinas. But that's fascinating. That, that's what I like about college and high school. It only takes one or two plays. In the NBA, you get six fouls, but right. if your stud is a center and yeah. he's in foul trouble, the, the game completely changes, yeah. and you hate it. But you, but you love that at the same time. So we're all interested in that game. Of course, seven seven fifteen tip tonight on WKTY. Drew Kelly will have the call. Drew, you're doing great work, and I appreciate it because you make my job easy. You went to the well, press that's, conference. Well, that's today. why I'm here. Of you course, know, to, to make your life easier. That's your that's your number one job description. <laughs> Drew, thanks a lot. Have a good time tonight yep. calling that game as well. Drew Kelly from both uh, WIZM's newsroom and WKTY. He's doing a little bit of everything. We're talking UWL sports. Basketball and football, both men and women's basketball and then football, a huge 24 hours. If you are just tuning in, we're trying to cover it all. The men last night beating Stevens Point in Stevens Point for the first time since the late 90s. They won 61-57, to and then the women took care of business at home as well, 55-46. Both of these teams looking to be ranked pretty soon. The women already are, and the men are making a really strong case. I want to talk about this women's game from last night coming up. We had a chance to touch on the men's game to start the show. Now I want to transition to women from somebody who was there last night and had a keen eye on just about everything that was going on, somebody who's followed this team, and that's Colton Bartholomew of the Lacrosse Tribune. He will join me coming up here in just a few minutes after the short break. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. More to come here on WKTY. More of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. See, this is why I need a producer. Things like this don't happen if uh, if my idiot self would have somebody to help me out. Colton Bartholomew of the Lacrosse Tribune was covering the women's game last night at UWL, and we're focusing on UWL at least to start the Wisco Sports Show today here on WKTY. They won fifty-five to forty-six. Therefore, it was Colton. Colton, I ask you again: How are you doing this evening? I'm great, Brad. How are you? <laughs> there we go. I'm doing awesome, and I'm having fun because I get to talk about my school. Both the men and the women showed out last night. Let's start with the women's game. They now sit at the top of the WIAC. They're in a three-way tie. I mean, you saw the game last night. You've been covering this team, specifically last night, beating a good team in Stevens Point. What jumped out to you? You know, I think what's jumped out all season with this team is the defense that they play. Uh, they hold another team under 30% shooting. That's the eighth time they've done that this year in 16 games. And it's the first time here in the conference play. The WIC on the women's side isn't as uh, loaded with national talent as the uh, the men's side this season. But just overall, anytime you hold a team under 30%, 
it's just an outstanding defensive performance, and they really needed it because they had their own shooting woes. They shot under 30% as well. So I think the big thing for the women's team is even with this influx of young talent they have, they have seven freshmen, and five of them play in heavy rotation, and the other two are, you know, kind of end of the bench right now, but they're going to be players eventually. Uh, just the, the talent they brought in this class to be able to play the defense that they're playing uh, at, a, at such a high level as 18-year-olds is just really impressive, and you don't see it much in WIC. The more I, I hear about this women's team, specifically from Coach Middleton and what I read, it seems like she wants to play good defense and she wants to rebound. And I think you're going to be in a lot of games if you just do those things correctly. And last night you said the shooting wasn't there. I, I'm reading recaps, and I saw like 18 of 70 shots fell for the women. I mean, it, it, rebounding and defense, and that seems to kind of mirror what the what the men do as well. You're going to win a lot of games that way, right? Even if you're if you're lesser on the talent side. Exactly, and then that's kind of I think where that came from is uh, for both programs really when these coaches came in, Coach Sternbach and Coach Middleton, they're they're kind of looking at. We have some talent. We're not the most talented team, but like you said, we, we play defense and rebound. We're going to be keep ourselves in games, and then if the shots are falling one night, we can be really successful. And the weird thing was for the women is that they've done a tremendous job pretty much all year from the three-point line. They ended up making six last night, but they had, I think I counted up, seven wide-open looks that just did not fall from the three-point line, which is uncharacteristic for them. So they were still getting good shots. They just weren't going in. So it's just one of those situations where they're not – uh, they're they're having a bad night offensively, and you see a lot of times with young teams, if you're having a bad night offensively, shots aren't going in that should. It kind of trickles over to the other side, and they you know let up a layup or give up a big lead. Stuff like that happens to them. But the thing that's impressed me is even with the youth of the women's team, uh, that just hasn't happened. When they're having bad offensive nights, they just lock in even harder on defense. And it's just really interesting to see the the progression of these young players to this point in the season, in the fact that. They've got three or three freshmen that start regularly, and then you're looking at another three that come off the bench uh, that play heavy minutes as well. So the fact that they're having so much success early is just a testament to the recruiting that the UWL women did this year. Well, I, I was going to ask about some of these younger players. Colton Bartholomew from the Lacrosse Tribune uh, joins me here on the Wisco Sports Show. Emma Gamoki always jumps out. She was the leading scorer. She didn't have a ton of points. She had, I, I believe, ten last night. But there seemed to be this this group of younger players who are finding minutes, who are finding ways to be impactful. And it's interesting because I, I look at Emma Kamoki, somebody who's really talented, probably had some options and where to go, and she chose to stay right nearby. She's the Alaska product who, who came to lacrosse. Not the first choice for most really good athletes. They want to get out. They want to kind of explore different things, or at least that's what I would want to do. What does that say about this program being able to attract some of these young players who are immediately able to contribute? I think, I mean, especially the, like you mentioned, Emma Kamoki, uh, when you look get recruited by Karen Middleton, somebody that's got Division One experience, and not only as a coach, but as a player. People that might not know, uh, she was a player at University of South Carolina and to this day holds the record for career three-pointers made at South Carolina, Karen Middleton does. So it, you, when you're talking to Karen uh, as a player-coach uh, situation, if she tells you, you know, this is how I can help you improve, we can do, you know, X, Y, and Z, there's a lot of legitimacy that comes with that. And I think just the culture that they're really building with that women's team, uh, there's a, they have a lot of fun. They're really good on social media, just engaging people and kind of showing their personality through that. So I think it's it's becoming a more attractive place because I think you're right. I think in recent years, the talent that's been around here has kind of, if they haven't been Division One scholarship players, they're trying to branch out a little bit more. But yeah. you look at the, the class that they brought in, 
it's kind of like, hey, you know, if I'm not getting that scholarship offer that maybe I wanted to in my high school career, I'm going to go to Division Three. I'm going to play at UWL for Karen Milton and play, you know, the best basketball that I can. I really like that, and I think that's a good way to approach recruiting. And it's lucky for UWL that Karen Middleton can kind of boast some of that credibility. I want to ask about the men's game a little bit as well. Uh, You were watching, you were streaming the stats like I was last night. But I'm fascinated by this team because early on I didn't think they looked tremendous. uh, But now they have rattled off 10 of 11, including some really impressive games here in the WIAC play so far. I mean, this win last night in Stevens Point finally felt like they did something. I know they beat Stout and they really flexed on Eau Claire, but until they beat a team like Stevens Point, I, I, I was kind of waiting. And when I saw they won last night, I was, I was first of all, I was thrilled, but I was starting to think that maybe this team could do some things. Th- that game specifically last night had to mean a lot for this team, right? It did. I mean, you look at just from a storyline perspective, you're looking at Coach Dernbach, uh, his former team, his former boss, and uh, the Stevens Point head coach, and there's a lot of, there's some animosity there just before everything went down. I, I know Stevens Point wanted Coach Dernbach to stay. He comes here as an interim and ends up getting the job, so that's good for him. But so getting that win for him is, uh, you know, the emotional there. But then you mentioned it in the lead in there. They hadn't won in there in 24 tries, 20 yeah. years basically. They haven't won at Stevens Point. So it's kind of a, one of those house of horrors type situation where uh, they walk into Quant Fieldhouse and they just don't know, you know how to win there. But uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but again, it was just defense. Uh, they have Talbush McRae, their senior point guard, who really just can lock down anybody that he guards. And he's a smaller guy, he's five foot ten, but. His, he has elite speed and quickness. He does not let guys get around him and is able to contest so many shots because just when guys pull up, he's right in front of their face. So uh, he's one of the few guys that had a really, really great game defensively for him, but he's a guy that Coach Dernbach really just throws on the other team's best guard and says, I'm not worrying about him because Talbot is on him. I really love watching them play defense, and when I had a chance to talk to Coach Dernbach on Tuesday and we talked a lot about the upcoming Stevens Point game, He said the difference from the early season in the non-conference to now is players have finally bought in 100% to playing good defense. And he even went as far to say is, I'll put up with a bad offensive possession or two if I see that you're engaged and locked in on the defensive end. It's interesting that both the men's and the women's team are really preaching defense, but I think it's really proving something. Have you sensed that shift from early season to now? I've seen it, but have you seen that same thing? Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of it has to do with this this men's team is kind of oddly constructed in the sense that there's a, a big group of seniors, there's five or six seniors, and then there's another big group of freshmen. So they're, they're in this kind of transition phase where it's the seniors' last chance to, to play and these freshmen's first year in uh, in college basketball. So And everybody wants to play. You know, the freshmen are coming from being really good in high school. Uh, these seniors, some of them had a really good year last year, maybe are trying to fight for those minutes. So I think it took them a little bit of time where they thought, hey, if I you know make a couple three-pointers, uh, in this game or, you know, get to the basket a few times, then maybe I'll catch coach's eye. But in reality, it was the guys that are going to play the best defense are going to play. And that's just how it's played out, especially in WIC play. So I think kind of that shift of the way I'm going to get coaches' attention, the way I'm going to earn playing time and get minutes that I want is by playing stellar defense and then doing my job on offense. And like you mentioned, Dermock is a guy that will just kind of sacrifice a possession or two as long as they're still playing offense or excuse me, as long as they're still playing defense. So, uh, I think that the shift in mentality of knowing what the coaches expect from them uh, really lies more on defense was kind of the, the big flip the switch moment for this team. 
Colton Bartholomew from the Lacrosse Tribune. I got to ask you one more thing. You you mentioned this team is oddly constructed, and and I know what you're saying. I think it's oddly constructed in a different way. I see a lot of this roster. They're grinders on defense. They're hard nosed offensive players that that at times don't look the most confident with their offensive skill set. That's not a slight. It's just not the players that they are. And then I see Ben Meinholz, who's a guy who looks confident in creating his own shot and handling the ball in isolation, and it doesn't always appear to fit. But sometimes when this team clicks, there's a really balanced team of not role players, but guys who are a little bit more... They're not as ready and and willing to to attack an offense. And then there's Ben Meinholz. Does he fit with the team around him? He had some clutch buckets last night. He's the one guy on this team who who I would give the ball to and say, go get me a shot. What is his role on this team? And, and maybe what could he look like playing out his senior season? You know, that that is kind of his role. He's the guy that when the shot clock starts to wind down, they give him the ball and let him create because I think you are right. And I don't think it's a slight. I think it's just that those... Uh, the rest of the guys on the team are a little bit more selective with their shots. Ben's a guy that he misses and it doesn't decrease his confidence to shoot in the next one. You yes. know? And that's hard to get to. And I think it's just how he's developed throughout his career, not only in high school, but in college as well. He's been that since he's come on campus. And what the big thing for, for Ben is I saw, especially last night is when a team is so focused on him because he is the number one option. Like, like, like I said, when uh, things really get tough for UWL, they just kind of throw it to him, let him create. So when teams start to focus him on him defensively, uh, he's gotten better at not trying to force it and not seeing a double team and trying to dribble out of it or things like that. It's just kind of recognizing what a defense is trying to do to him. And if he's being taken away, he's got to, he's starting to realize and do better at incorporating the rest of his team. He had four assists, I believe, last night, and uh, two of them were in really clutch situations on nice drives to the basket where he just dumps it off to the big guy for a layup. So it's uh, a maturation process of, hey, you know what, when I'm on and I'm I'm doing well, I can really score and I can do these good things in isolation. But when I'm not or if a team's really locked in on me, I've got to incorporate the rest of the team to make us go. Yeah, I, I really like that take on Ben Meinholz. I think you actually articulated much better uh, the point that we were both trying to make, so I appreciate that. Colton yeah, I got Bartholomew, you, though. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah you, you helped me out. So, Colton <laughs> Bartholomew from the Lacrosse Tribune. I'm sorry about the delay getting you on, but uh, but I think it was worth it. Thanks for giving me some time. No problem, Grant. Talk to you soon. Yep, talk soon, Colton. That's Colton Bartholomew, sports writer for the Lacrosse Tribune. And he, it's tough. In, in a setting like lacrosse, being a sports writer, got to wear the Packers, the Brewers, all that stuff up there. You got to worry about high school sports with Central and on Alaska and and everyone else as good as the the Mississippi Valley Conferences in basketball right now. You have to cover that. And then UWL, both men's and women's are great. And then you got football news on top of that today. I mean, it's nice to have a helping hand and an extra set of eyes and ears and, and hands when it comes to writing stories as well. So I appreciate Colton taking a couple of minutes. We've covered a lot today, both men's and women's basketball for UWL at huge wins last night. Uh, and Isaac Frichty was just brought on as the full-time offensive coordinator being promoted from within for the Eagles football team as well. So we talked about that. If you want to check out anything that you missed so far today, and I understand maybe you wanted to hear about Isaac Frichty. Maybe you wanted to hear about the men's win. We specifically covered those earlier on in the show. Check out the podcast at WKTYsports.com. I will try to post it as soon as possible, as soon as we go off air today. So if you want to check out something that you've missed, you can go back and do that. You can skip around. You can skip Skip where I ramble about something you don't want to hear? Absolutely. <laughs> Go find it at WKTYsports.com. Bucks had a huge win last night. And by huge, I don't mean meaningful. I don't mean impactful. I mean, they actually had a huge win. They smashed the Grizzlies. And I'm running out of things to say. I'll try to communicate exactly how I feel about this Milwaukee Bucks team because I have mixed feelings right now. That's coming up as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next year on WKTY.
Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills, and thank you for tuning in. I hope you're having a good night. We've covered a lot today, and it's been a busy last 24 hours for UWL. Two huge wins against Stevens Point for both the men's and the women's. And then a new offensive coordinator who, yeah, played in the NFL. Named today, Isaac Frichty, for your UWL Eagles football team as well. we got to have Mike Schmidt on to talk about it here in the next couple of days, too, because we don't have an eye on the Eagles. During the fall, it's so nice. We hear from him once a week. We can catch up on the previous week. We can look forward to the next game. And it's just nice. We have a steady, a steady stream of information about those things. In the winter, it's a little tougher, so we got to get Mike Schmidt on. Uh, hopefully, Dave and Scrady can, can use their clout and use their connections to make that happen sooner rather than later. Tonight on WKTY, we have local action. Drew talked about it earlier when uh, he was uh, joining me for a few minutes. Aquinas and Logan, two teams that are in very interesting situations right now, playing better as of late, but two teams who are very, I don't want to say star-dependent because it's high school sports, but they rely on a small group of their starters to do most of the work. Not a lot of bench for either one of these teams. So if it gets nasty, if it turns into a foul-filled game tonight, it could be something interesting. And Drew Kelly's bringing you the call at 7.15. We do have a few minutes before we wrap up the show. The Bucks beat the Grizzlies last night. They smashed them on the road. And and I'm I'm running out of things to say. If you follow me on Twitter or you follow WKTY, you would have seen it either way. You can follow me at Keystroker Grant. You can follow the station at WKTY. I I tweeted out the rundown for today's show because we had a couple of guests. We covered a lot of different things, some of which are out of the ordinary. We don't talk UWL a lot, especially this time of year. But the funny thing was I tweeted out the rundown and my last segment was Bucks dot dot dot. Still good. Exclamation point. I, I don't know what to say about them anymore. They keep smashing opponents. They keep beating them up. The game's over by the fourth quarter. And they're for the most part beating the teams they're supposed to beat and competing with the upper-level teams in their conference and in the league. They've won 14 of 17 games. I don't know what to to say about this team. They're just doing everything well. And yesterday we talked about some of those habits and tendencies, not losing back-to-back games, beating the teams who have already beat you once and doing it in a statement way, scoring often, uh, winning those games by a 20-plus point margin. You like what you see, and you hope that this 32-12 and record where they currently sit is sustainable, and they keep this high level of play moving into the postseason. Some of those things that we see when you read in between the lines give me some belief that that will be the case. This last night, we talk about reacting. We talk about uh, reacting. We were talking about the men's team, how they fall behind early. They react. They adapt, and they come back, and they respond, right? React and respond. Those were our two words. Last night... The Grizzlies pull within 59-58 to 58 of the Bucks in the third quarter. And for those of you who maybe aren't NBA experts, the Grizzlies stink. Okay, they're, they're just not good. They've lost, I believe, 10 of 11 games. They pulled within one point of the Bucks in the third quarter, and you're thinking, oh, is this going to be one of those games where the Bucks maybe lose to a lesser opponent, and it's just off a of back-to-back, you know, you could see it happening. Well... Once the Grizzlies got within a point, the Bucks reacted, they responded, and they went on a 19-0 run. Those are the kind of things that you see the Warriors do. They just say, all right, enough of messing around. We're just going to turn it on because we can for a couple of minutes, and we're going to put this thing away. 19-0 run after the Grizzlies pull within a point. It's the kind of things you see from upper-level teams. Not just teams who win a lot of games, but teams who are looking to contend. And it is an 82-game regular season, so there are nights where, let's face it, we're in Memphis, we're playing the Grizzlies who stink, do we really have to throw out our full effort tonight? Do we really have to go all out to win this game? The Bucks did last night. They said, we'll go on a 20-0 run, 19-0 run, and let's put this thing away early. And it is a long season. Bucks were playing a back-to-back last night. 
And, and the question is always, when you're playing 82 games, and you're looking to advance into the postseason and win some games, so playing more games on top of that, you start to worry about workload. You start to worry, especially on a back-to-back. Well, last night, and, and it's fascinating, right? Giannis, bar- bar- he barely had to play, and that that's what's helpful coming out of a really successful fourth quarter while you have a large margin of, of a lead. In the last two games, the Bucks have had a back-to-back. They've had two wins. They're plus 48 in the scoring margin, and they've only had to play Giannis a total of 47 minutes. So an NBA game is 48 minutes long. Giannis getting some time on the bench to rest. And that's important not only off a of back-to-back, but when you're talking about wanting to contend, wanting to push into the postseason, after an 82-game regular season, that's something that's important. I look at guys like James Harden, whose usage rate is through the roof right now. He scored 50 points a couple of times in the last few days. And in the last two games, almost none of his buckets have been assisted. He's creating for himself. He's doing it all. And that's fine. That's awesome. But it wears you down. It tires you out when you're relied on that much. James Harden had 50 points and his team lost to the Nets. He's asked to do a lot. Kyrie Irving had to resurrect his Celtics team from, from nobody wanting to talk about them. Or nobody wanting to give them respect. We're, we're at the point now where are the Celtics is, are they going to be able to pull off what we thought preseason? Well, Kyrie had to reach into his bag and play a ton of minutes and go hard to beat the Raptors the other night. Giannis is, has the privilege of being a little bit more reserved because the Bucks are scoring so many points and winning by such a wide margin. I think it's something to note moving forward. Last two games, the Bucks have won two games by an average of 48 points or they have a plus 48 scoring margin and Giannis has had to play less than 48. He's played 47 minutes. Something you got to feel good as you plow through the regular season because that's really what the NBA is. It's a grind, much like baseball. There's a lot of these games you can't get two up or two down for any of them. That goes to say for the Wisco Sports Show as well. We never get up too high or too low. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place to wrap up the week here on WKTY. I'll talk to you then.